Hi, Josh. How are you? I'm great, Troy. How are you today? I'm doing good. Oh, it's, 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 uh, thank you for being here, first of all. And uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah. So uh, my name is Josh Seaball, and I'm the campus pastor at New Spring, uh, Clemson, and have been so for going on about a year. So I've been uh, a pastor for five years now which is relatively new to me. I was in the business world for 10 years before stepping into ministry and actually grew up in the, in Missouri, in the, the flyover state, the very middle of the United States and lived there for 33 years before moving to South Carolina, where I now love to call home and stepping into ministry at New Spring Church. So that's a little bit about, a little bit about me, the quick story of it. Okay. Um, so how are you dealing with the uh, coronavirus situation? Well, it's been interesting. So um, I think it's been a, uh, let me speak to it personally, because um, I think I could speak to how we're dealing with it as a church and I could speak to how we're dealing with it as a congregation, but how I'm dealing with it personally is that uh that it, it, it certainly has had its toll. Um, and it certainly has revealed a lot in my just personal journey. What I mean by that is this, um, I was moving at a very, very fast pace. Um, I think that one of the things I've been thinking a lot about is the gospel is in direct opposition to earning. Um, and I felt like I had turned my faith into uh, trying to earn favor with God when I already have all of it. That he looks on me, Josh, and his son. He looks on you, Troy, his son. And he's, he could not be more proud. He could not be more in love with you and, and, and with me. And yet, uh, this young man who for however many years was running from his faith now turned and is a pastor begins to turn his profession into a place of earning God's favor. And I wanted it to free me uh, from my past sin and shame when that's already been done for me on the cross. And so when all of a sudden everything in your life shuts down and you have to, um, I have a, a, an incredible wife, her name's Allie and two, two kids, a little baby girl who's four and a little baby boy who's one. And all of a sudden your world gets really, really small and you don't pastor a church anymore. You pastor your home and you know, all the effort that you've been putting forth to earn God's favor now gets focused in on slowing down and just loving your wife really well and loving your kids and pastoring your home. It revealed a lot of things in me that I needed to address. And in all the ways I thought our marriage was as strong as ever, that's been tested. And as, as much as I would tell you, I think I'm a great dad, that's been tested. And one of the things that we say at New Spring Church from time to time is uh, people like tested things, but they don't like being tested, right? So we want to know that if we step onto the second floor of our home, that structurally it has been engineered and tested and it is safe. We like tested things, but we don't necessarily like being the one that's being tested. And this season has certainly tested uh, Josh Seaball. It's been, it's been fruitful. I think uh, it's revealed a lot in me. And I'm, I'm thankful for it, even through the hardship and the, 
and the slowing down, <laughs> which I don't like to go slow. I like to go fast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, can you can you give us an example of how you're being tested or how you how you dealing with the uh, that that testing too? Yeah. If it's not too I personal. Think, yeah. No, I don't. Well, I'll say this, Troy. I I firmly believe that if grace is real, that means in Christ, I'm fully loved and fully known. And I lived so many years trying to hide who I was, like wanting people to fall in love with the mask that I could wear. Issue is when I take off the mask and people see who I really am, there's this this great fear in me that would they still love me? And so I say all that to say, I'm taking off the mask, man. Like I want you to know, I, I have no fear in, in telling you exactly who I am because, because of who I am in Christ. And that's solely what I can stand on, right? I hope uh, that this is helpful. I hope that you and I can grow closer as, as brothers in Christ and, and, you know, revealing to you who I am doesn't scare you off. But in the end, you know, we, we both got to stand on the grace of God so I can be fully known and fully loved. And it's, it's incredible. So I, I'm just going to tell you who I am. Um, so one of the things that's been really difficult in this season where I feel like I've been tested is externally, if you were to look at my life, you would say he honors the Sabbath. I set aside a day that God commands me to rest and I do it. You would see a guy who's fairly disciplined who wakes up at the same or similar times of the day, opens up his Bible, spends time with the Lord, puts on, you know, music, uh, worship music is often what I'm, what we're listening to helps make breakfast with his family is at the table while we're reading the Bible is engaging with his kids, gives my wife a kiss goodbye and goes to work and then comes home and re-engages with my family. Everything on the outside would appear that I'm at rest and that I'm have peace. But internally, that is not true. And so the season of testing that I found myself in was everything between here that is, you know, going like this, a thousand miles per hour, right? Revved up six RPMs all the time. I could no longer fake that I was a person of peace or that I was at rest. I had to actually deal with it. And so I'm thankful that we've been in this season with all the hardship that my family's gone through. And I, I don't presume to fully understand the hardship that others have gone through. Um, but I'm thankful for what God's doing inside of me because he's helping me truly understand what it means to place my full trust in him. It's easy to say with my mouth, but it's a lot harder to, to follow through and believe in here and in here. And so I think that's where God's testing me is I'm having to, and what does it look like for me to take the good things that I'm learning right now into whatever season is ahead? Cause this is going to pass in some regard. It's going to forever change the way we, we deal with each other. It's going to change the way we go to restaurants. It's going to change the way we, we interact with each other. It's going to change the way we go to church. But what's the good that we can take with us into this next season in the midst of what we're currently facing? That's what I'm, that's where I feel like I'm being tested and I'm having to really consider. Okay. Um, tell us about your uh, faith journey. How did you get to know Jesus? 
So I came to know Jesus at a very early age, six years old. The, I was at church and the pastor um, asked if anyone wanted to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Later that night, I came home and told my parents that I wanted to know more about what that meant. And so I gave my life to the Lord at six. Now, for some people, I guess a six-year-old, this may not happen. Everything about your life changes. <laughs> you know, you start doing all the right things and following the Lord. And, and I love that. I, I honor that story. That was not my story. Um, at 15, and then at 18, uh, my parents' marriage went through a lot of strife and difficulty. Now being a married person, I know how easy that is. But back then, uh, the harm, um, the years that I walked through uh, were very confusing. And it, it was very confusing for my faith. Uh, everything I believed to be true about the love of a father and, and, and what, what the church and faith would do for your family was all in flux. And, and I was trying to manage that and figure that out, um, on my own because honestly, because I didn't want help. There were a lot of, uh, faith, God fearing men who came into my life to, to try and help, but I didn't want help. Uh, the guy that I wanted most to help me was my dad and he was going through a lot of difficulty and confusion himself. Right. And so anyways, that threw me into a spiral and I found relationships with women to be something I could cling to. Right. I wanted my dad and my mom, I wanted their love and I didn't really feel like I had it. So I looked for it in other places. And so that became a place I ran to. And then, um, at 21, I went to, uh, I went to college and at 21 was really the first time I drank. Uh, I was, I don't know why I kind of stayed away from it for the most part, but 18, 19, but then 21, when I found alcohol, you know, that became yet another place I could run to. So the part I deal with so much in my faith journey is that I knew what was right and what was wrong. And yet I was hurting. And so I ran to female relationships and, and alcohol to give me meaning and purpose and to help me feel whole. And so I ran as far as I could, honestly, you know, prodigal son, I relate to that story. Um, and it, it was, it was probably around 26 or 27 where I felt like I had to go back to that six year old decision and really wrestle with, is this real? Is God real? If it's real, is his grace real? Does it cover me? Can I come home to the Father? And really reconcile, reconciling a heaven, a relationship with my heavenly Father became so important. Um, I wasn't somebody who needed counseling, you know, one hour a week. I needed surgical eight-hour dig deep. There was stuff inside of me that Josh had let settle because it was really easy for me to blame my parents' divorce as my reason to be a sinner. And that's just not the case. Prone to wonder is who this guy is. Uh, I was going to find trouble and I found it and I found a reason to do it. But God redeemed my story and he brought me back. And so it's been such a, I, 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 I am thankful for God's patience with me because 
it took me a long time to walk this journey with him, to finally fall back in love with him, fall back in love with his church. And somewhere around 31 or 32, I began to serve in the church um, faithfully. I was there anytime the doors were open. And um, that kind of led me into ministry because my dad, uh, after much healing, was the one, the one who said, you know, you've been in sales for 10 some odd years. You don't enjoy it. You don't like it. You, you don't really understand why you're doing it. But yet, you're at church all the time and you love it. You, they don't pay you. <laughs> they don't, you know, you just are there. The doors are open and you're there. And he's like, maybe you should go look into ministry. And so I did. And, and what's crazy about it, I, I feel like my story is God's grace is common. His stories are unique. What he's doing in us is so uncommon. It's a miracle. I am the story of a dead man walking who's been brought back to life. And John 10, 10, that Jesus came so that we could have a full and abundant life, that we would know life to the max, that we would overflow to the brim with his goodness. And I did not understand what that meant. So I ran the other way, what the world told me a full life looked like. Relationships, alcohol, parties, wealth. And I had to run as far down those tracks as I could to find out that John 10.10 was real and it was available to me. And so my story is wild because when I finally laid down everything that I thought would give me meaning and purpose and picked up what God had given me and opened my hands to what else he wanted to give me. All of a sudden I was off and running on like an adventure. Like I never knew. And I think it's, I think it's common and available to everybody. I think following Jesus is like this. It's unique to my story, but it can be, it can be everyone's story. So I, I stepped out of business started interviewing with a church in St. Louis, Missouri, where I lived, called Allie Seabaugh, who at that time was Allie Zacker, uh, who I'd known for 30 some odd years. She was a childhood neighbor and she was in ministry. And I said, hey, how in the world do you walk away from an engineering degree, which she had to step into ministry? That's because I'm about to do that. I've got a marketing degree and I'm making good money and I'm going to step out of that into ministry. How do I do that? And in the midst of that conversation, I fell in love. And so I thought, oh, I think I, I need to go marry this girl. And so I moved from Missouri to South Carolina, walked into New Spring Church and thought, wow, um, I've never seen church like this before. I've never seen volunteers excited to be here. I've never seen people worship and it feel so transparent and real. Um, I just never seen faith so alive. And I thought, I think I want to go to ministry here. Uh, and so all of a sudden I stepped into to being on staff at New Spring Church, which is a miracle in itself. So I step into ministry. I get married within... Uh, within just a few months of being married, we were pregnant with our first uh, child. I got asked to go launch a campus uh, 
uh, and be a church planner um, in the Hilton Head area. So we moved down to the low country of South Carolina, launched a church, were there for four years, saw incredible things. My little girl grows up there and we got to launch a church and then now getting to come up here and help be a part of this. It's like been the greatest adventure following Jesus. And I wouldn't trade what I'm experiencing now for what I, all the shame and hurt and years of um, damage that I did to myself, but to other people, I wouldn't trade it. I mean, following the Lord is unbelievable. It's a miracle every day. And uh, it's so much fun. Do you, uh, can, can you give me a, can you give us a story or two that you experienced, uh, experienced God's, God's, uh, God's love? Yeah. I, um, all right. So this is pretty raw and transparent. So the first time that I, um, had sex was at 16 years old and it was before marriage. Of course, it was outside of God's plan and I knew better. Um, but that carried on for many years and the first, when Allie and I, um, decided that we wanted to have a baby and we're married, um, we, we had, she was on birth control and I'm 33. And so she asked the question that birth control just, it was messing up her hormones a lot. You know, what, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I'm ready to have a baby whenever you are. I'm, I, I want to be a dad. I had prayed for many years. God, make me a great dad. Make me a great husband. And I think he was patient enough to wait until I was ready to answer that prayer. <laughs> and I'm thankful for that because I would have been a terrible husband in my 20s. I would have been a terrible dad in my 20s. And he protected me. Anyways. So Allie and I pray on it for a night and then we decide we're ready to have a, a child. And what's crazy is probably within that week or the next week was when we got pregnant. And so when Lennon was born, my baby girl, I recognized how much God had protected me over those many years because I had abused a really good gift from him. I felt his deep love. Every time I see my baby girl, I see his grace. I see a beautiful gift that he's given me, but I also see his grace over the many years that he protected me when I misused a gift that was from him. Sex met for man and wife in covenant marriage. And so then with Bennett, what was interesting, my baby boy, is it took us almost a year to get pregnant. And I think God was showing me this is how easy it is when, I, when I'm in sovereign and in control. And this is also how, how, how difficult and how hard it can be. So he began to break my heart for people who are trying to have a child. You know, those many months of working through that with your wife, um, of having difficulty getting pregnant. And so I, I began to truly see how sovereign God is. Um, but also how good he is in the midst of that. You have experienced the uh, both the uh, 
regular career and the ministry, what would be the difference? What would be what made the most difference? What's what's the most obvious things you can experience every day? Yeah, um, I see people. I see their stories. I see their hurt. Um, I want for them things that they that they aren't yet experiencing. You know, when I see John ten ten, I I want them to know that full and abundant life of following Jesus that it's available to everybody. And I worry, um, you know, it's it's like it it's, it goes back to sharing the other you know the stories earlier about sometimes I can turn my job into wanting to fix people. I, there was a marriage of really, really good friends of ours. And um, they were sitting on our couch. We were working through their stuff and it was over. Like she wanted to leave him. He didn't understand why. And so I did everything I could in my power. And it kept me up at night and I worried about it. And I prayed for them to help fix it. And the only person that could fix it was God. And they, it was one of the first times that two, these, they decided, Hey, we're, we're going to get separated. We're going to get divorced. This thing's over. And they left my house and I thought I failed miserably. I failed them. And I had taught them to hear the voice of Josh and not the voice of God. And Josh couldn't fix their marriage. Only God could. And that's the tension I feel a lot. The beautiful part of that story is that God did redeem that marriage and they did get remarried and are now doing wonderful. But it was because they had to go get alone and hear from God, not Josh. That's always the difficulty, Troy, is that that's the stuff that I, I think about all the time. Um, there's also this burden, right? That you, 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 you know how many people don't know the Lord and how good he is. And so you can spend every waking hour trying to figure out how do we reach people. So uh, ex explain to us that what that full and abundant life is like. It's, it is a hard question. I, I know that, but can you try to explain it or can you give us an example or something? Yeah. I, uh, okay, so jo okay, so Joshua chapter 1. Um, God says, so Joshua is my name. Um, in some regards, it's what my parents used to name me. And so I read that, that a lot. <clears throat> so this is one of the places I get it from. So in Joshua one, six, it says, be strong and courageous for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them says it again, only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that the Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. Then he tells them again towards the end of that, be strong and courageous. Obedience guides us. Our faith leads us. The reason I think that God told Joshua three times, be strong and courageous, is that because being a person of faith means you're stepping out into the unknown and it's scary. But God's 
the obedience to God's commands keeps us safe on our journey. And so wherever we go, he goes with us. So I think the full adventurous, abundant life is one of making bold moves. It's my story. Packing up whatever I had, putting it in my car, driving from Missouri to South Carolina, knowing that God had said go, but not knowing what was going to happen when I got here. I had looked at getting a job at a grocery store because I didn't know that I was going to get a job at New Spring Church, but I knew I needed to like start paying bills. And God had something better for me. Um, marriage, relationships, all of that was incredibly scary for me for so many years. I had no idea how good it was going to be when, I, when God finally said, this is the woman you're going to marry. And you've known her for 30 years. She's my childhood neighbor. I had no idea having a little girl and a little boy and how much fun that's been helping to launch a church, helping be a part of, of this campus here in Clemson. God has over and over and over again, showed me that he is rarely going to ask me to take a smaller step of faith. But every time I step out, his obedience, my obedience to his commands will guide me and he's going to be with me every step of the way. And our faith, my faith is going to lead me. So I just think a full and abundant life um, is following the Lord wherever he tells us to go. And it's often going to be pretty scary, but we can always know that he's going to go with us. I just call it, I just call it adventure. Yeah. <laughs> it's just adventurous. So, so what can, what can, what can a person exp- uh Let's go back. No, let's go back. Maybe, what 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 kind of expectation should a person have when they follow, when they first follow Jesus? Yeah, I mean, what's yeah? I think well, one, I think coming to know the Lord, the very first thing that I would recommend is finding someone to walk with you. And what are they going to experience? It's going to be difficult. And you know what I mean? Because what happens is, right, this, this, this miracle happens, this life change occurs, you feel it in your spirit, everything inside you begins to come to life and breathe, and you got to get somebody else that can help explain all that to you. But from my experience, and this can be, this can be different for other people, from my experience, when me coming to know the Lord did not mean that I all of a sudden stopped drinking and stopped, you know, going after uh, relationships and that everything just made sense. I needed someone to help me unravel all of that, to dig out the roots that had been, you know, dug into my heart that were not of God. I had to get that stuff out of there. Um, and so it's going to be difficult. It's, and I, I don't, I don't know. So anyways, the reason I say all that is because there's, um, in Psalm 23, it talks about the good shepherd and how he leads us on circles or paths of righteousness. In Israel, if you watch a shepherd lead sheep, they don't take them from the bottom of the mountain to the top of the mountain. 
they actually graze around in circles up the mountain. And so for my journey, what I've recognized is sometimes it feels like I come back to the same sin or the same pattern or the same difficulty. And I go, ah, how did I end up here again? And I forget that there is a good shepherd who is with me, who is patient, who is kind, who is gracious, and he is leading me on paths of righteousness. And so God is, God sees who we're becoming. He sees the end of the story. He sees us as in Christ, fully known, fully loved. And, but, but we are so quick to go, well, I want to go from the beginning to the end of the story. And God goes, no, 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 no. Like you said, like you and I talked about, this is going to be a journey. I'm going to lead you on circles of righteousness. I'm not going to take you from the bottom of the mountain to the top of the mountain. We're going to walk together and we're going to work on these things together. And I'm going to help you see what I'm doing in the earth and what I'm doing in you. So, uh, so what kind of things can, uh, can people expect when they first step into your church, New Spring? Well, with the coronavirus, <laughs> that we're in it feels like everything's new um but i hope that uh if you would come here you would find family that you would belong before you believe that it would be okay for you to be exactly who you are working through whatever it is that you're working through and that you would know that uh you belong before you believe that we're we're for you uh because god is for you and and so that that you would walk in and you would, you would feel at home. And, and then in that, it would stir you to consider uh, a personal relationship with Christ. We hope when you walk into our auditorium that you would sense God's presence in a way that maybe you've never experienced before, um, that it would be life-giving, that if you walk in at a two, you would walk out at a four or a five. If you walk in at a six, that you would leave at a nine or a 10. We want it to be a life-giving experience, right? John 10, 10, full and abundant. We want it to be a life-giving experience. And we want it to activate you in some way. Uh, don't just be a hearer of, of the word. Be a, be, you gotta, we, gotta, we gotta live active. We gotta live activated in our faith. Um, and so we hope that you would leave uh, with, a, with a next step of some sort to consider in your faith journey. Um, do you... So, so you, you, since you are a pastor at a Clemson campus, you probably meet a lot of college students. Yeah. Uh, what can you can you tell us what you witnessed in their in their lives uh, uh, before they walk in uh, before they uh, I, I you probably didn't know before. But how how they have changed, or how how they are how their lives are different after they uh, they started coming to your uh, coming to your uh, meetings. Yeah. So uh, about fifty four percent of our campus is college age, which is interesting. So all things considered, the dominant age demographic is between 18 and 22 here. Um, the, the 
I didn't have a church nearby like New Spring when I was in college. And there's so many great churches here in this area. So I don't raise our banner higher than anyone else's. Um, but had I had something similar that engaged me the way New Spring uh, engages college students, what, what I see is serving, they're, they're, they're helping in our ministries, FUSE, which is our youth program, kids um, ministry, which is called Kids Spring. Uh, they're engaged in Rally, which is our very uh, focused ministry for them. They're here. They worship. They're free to do. I mean, it's, it, they, there is a worship that is free and unhindered. Uh, I think they lead us in that often. So what's crazy to me is to see the, all the strife and trouble and struggles that I went through at that age and how they've been able to um, engage in a church and feel known and feel needed here. And so they're getting an education and they're growing uh, mentally, and, but they're also growing here spiritually. And so I hope, I, I believe that many of them will step into the marketplace or step into marriage um, being grounded and rooted in their faith just as much as they're prepared for, for whatever it is they're stepping into professionally or personally. So let me, let me share this. There's, there's two questions that you asked me about that were really interesting. One, the John 10, 10, full and abundant life. And then two, what do you tell a new believer? I think here's what I'm learning currently right now even as a guy who has is a pastor in ministry and has followed the Lord for a considerable amount of time, both good and bad is uh, following God is easy. Following through with what God tells me is really hard. I think the gospel in itself is fairly simple. Read your Bible, commune with God in prayer Listen for what he has to say because he wants to speak to you. Make sure you got somebody good around you who, uh, you know, be friends with somebody who is friends with God so they can speak truth into your life. Um, you know, he gives us some, some really good commands and things like super easy ones, like love me and love other people. <laughs> hey, put, you, put your wife first, you know, hey, take a day and rest. These aren't complicated things. His word is pretty easy and simple, but why is it so difficult to follow through on those things? And I, that's what's been hard for me is I'm, I feel like following God is easy, but following through on what he says is, is difficult. It's hard and it requires something of me. And so as a new believer, I think those are the things that are going to war against you is you're going to have to lay some things down. It, it is a life of sacrifice and of, of putting others first and of putting God first. And it seems easy to say, but it's a lot harder to actually do it. Um, and as someone who's been on that journey for a long time, it, it always seems to war against my sinful, selfish desires. But on the other side of it is that abundant and full life, that there's a reward. God always gives us an action, but he always comes with a promise. If you will, I will. When, you read, when I read the Bible, that's what I always see. God says, hey, do this, but know that it comes with a promise. Promise maker and promise keeper. He's going to meet us every time.
Yeah, it is. It is hard. It is. It is. I don't know how else to express it, but it is. I mean, you you gotta give up yourself to follow Jesus. So you just gotta there's just gotta sacrifice everything your yourself. So it is. It is beyond hard. It is. It is something. Something maybe impossible. So I mean, but but so. I thought about this kind of things. Like if if you're if you're uh, if you're if you tell somebody to you gotta give up your your fast food or you gotta give up donuts or you gotta give up uh what is it the uh, biscuits and gravies or fried yeah. chickens or something something really good something you yeah. really enjoy. Right. But but in the end, you'll you'll gain health. You'll gain life. You gain uh, energy or something, and it is it is hard to it is hard to understand that part. It is hard to understand that part because it right now you what you see is something you enjoy immensely. So, but but. But down the ro- down the road, you you sooner or later you'll realize that it hasn't been good to me. It has the 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 the, the, the path I've chosen hasn't been good to me. It's it's leading to a not so great places. Even though even though you might not get cancers or you might not get diabetes or it's but it, it is still not a good path to go down. So I I. Th- I it is. It is. I, I see a little bit of similarities because life you choose might not lead to like addictions of drug addictions or uh, uh, what is it the uh, like divorce or or a complete destruction of your life. You might not experience that. There are a lot of people experience maybe. Maybe at least in the surface, live a calm life, a good life, or a good life. But in the end, you don't have that. Uh, you don't have that reward. You don't have the eternity. You don't have that. Uh, the joy and peace that only Jesus can give you. So it, it is really hard to explain. That's what I'm trying to say. It's, I I don't. I don't know how else to put it. Um, so, can you maybe tell us? Maybe can you explain to us a little bit better? Not, not a lot better, probably better than me uh, for sure. Uh, can you give us a little bit more clear picture that from when people are looking from outside in, or oh, maybe there's something that I I'm missing in this life that I'm living that I'm living. So, yeah. So. Um... There's, an, there's a really interesting quote, and I'm going to mess it all up, but it's from Jim Carrey, the comedian, who made tons and tons of money. And he, he made the comment, I wish everybody could be as like wealthy and famous and experience the things I experienced so they could understand how much this doesn't matter. So for myself... I don't, I don't wish it on anybody, but for me, 
there was a path that I walked down that I probably needed to walk down to find out that the things that I believed would give me satisfaction, would give me joy, would give me hope, would give me meaning, were actually incredibly empty. And what you um, expressed is that we have decisions that God is, gives us the ability to choose because a loving God would not force something upon us. A loving God gives us a choice. And that's, what's really confusing for people. Like if you're telling me he's God, why doesn't he just show me, you know, everything. It's like, well, a loving father gives you the ability to choose. And, but he says our choices either create life or they create death. And I walked down many, many years of dark, of loneliness, of some depression and, and, um, and I found out what Jim Carrey said is like, you know, I went as far as I could to find out that Josh can't do this without a savior. And I needed, I needed a savior. And so that's when I had to come back and, and find him. And so I think that's the great mystery of it all. And, you know, is that in this life, we get to choose uh, what we want to send, send ahead into the things of the kingdom. You know, now in Christ, I have the opportunity to live like Christ and to become more like him and to send things ahead into the eternity that I'll get to experience one day. I don't know. Maybe we've ended up in a really strange place. It is complicated. You know, it is, it is hard to explain. It isn't, it isn't wrapped up in a really easy bow. Um, but I think that's why we need each other. Right. right, right yeah. God gave us brothers in Christ, sisters in Christ that can help us walk this journey together as family and we can navigate this together. Yeah, it, it is definitely a community thing. So uh, uh, if you if you are curious, it's, it's, it's New Spring is a New Spring is a great place to uh, start a journey. Get uh, you probably get to know friendly people first and then you'll hear about gospels and you'll You'll try to. Uh, you can start from there. It's it's, it's good. It's a very good place to uh, start our journey to get to know who Jesus is, or get to know who people who follows Jesus are. So, uh, can you tell us about more about how how they can reach you, or how they can uh, find you, or about New Spring? Yeah, if there's anything that I can ever do for anybody. Uh, my email is josh, J-O-S-H dot Seabaugh, S-E-A-B-A-U-G-H at newspring dot C-C. Uh, you can email me there um, and reach out anytime. I'd be happy to share my story, share more of my story, help in any way I can. Uh, we've got a great staff here at the church as well, and, and many of them have unique, amazing stories that they'd be willing to share and help. So. That's a. That's it. <laughs> okay, uh, put the uh, this. What is it? Put your uh, contact info in the description. So, 
uh, if you are interested, uh, you can find it there. Too. Uh, thank you, Josh, for uh, spending time with us, and thank you for um, thank you for uh, sharing your stories with us. And uh, it was very very nice talking to you. Uh, I'll I'll see you around. No, that's not right. I look forward to it. Thank you. You're good, man. You're good. Thank you, brother. I really appreciate the opportunity to share my story. I hope it's, I hope just like you that it's helpful to someone. Okay. All right. It was, it was very nice talking to you, Josh. Have a nice day. You too, buddy. See you. All right. See you.